0: You know, if I went back and said, oh, it's going to be this hard and you're going to do this and maybe do this thing differently, I probably would completely panic and to like maybe ease up on myself just a little bit. So I think that probably would have been helpful because I was in a recession. That is an actual sort of emergency state for a lot of people. We've come through a pandemic, actual emergency. Selling out of cupcakes before you close the doors on Saturday nights not actually an emergency. So I think just, I don't know, maybe just maybe if she just needed a big hug, maybe she wouldn't even take advice. Maybe I should just like go and just give, that, give that girl a hug and just be like, all right, you're gonna survive this.
1: amazing flavor is an amazing human who has perfected their craft welcome to flavors unknown a series of inspirational conversations with renowned culinary leaders discover how their cultural identity shapes their creative process with your host emmanuel what's your favorite desserts for thanksgiving mine are any kind of pies pumpkin pie apple pie Lemon chiffon pie, caramel pecan pie, and pies are the favorite things to bake of my guest today. Kat Gordon is the owner of Muddy's Bake Shop in Memphis. For Kat, creativity thrives on challenges, and as a woman entrepreneur, she had quite a few in her life. What's up, everybody? This is Emmanuel LaRoche from flavorsunknown.com, and you are listening to the Flavors Unknown podcast. I have been in the food industry for more than 20 years, both in Europe and in the U.S., and every other week, I sit down with awarded chefs, pastry chefs, and mixologists from around the U.S. to share their inspirational stories, talk about their success and challenges, and try to understand how their cultural heritage influences their creative process. Please follow Flavors Unknown on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our newsletters at flavorsunknown.com. Muddy's Bake Shop was named one of the best bakeries of 2021 in Southern Living's annual South Best Roundup. It was Chef Kelly English who introduced me to Kat Gordon. I love Kat's sweet and quirky personality, and she makes Memphis a happier place by creating outstanding experiences and delicious food. If you ever thought of opening a food store, listen to Kat talking about the challenge of launching a business during the 2008 crisis and living through the COVID pandemic. And listen to her sharing her passion for anything baked and sweet. Hi Kat, welcome to Flavors Unknown.
0: Hello, I'm thrilled to be here.
1: Thank you, I'm excited to have you as well. I heard a lot about you from uh, Chef Kelly English, and he, you know, introduced us. And um, yeah, so and I, I'm, I'm curious to hear everything about your business and then all the goodies that you are making in Memphis.
0: Lots of goodies. Lots, Lots of, of goodies. many really good smells, good tastes. Yeah. Very
1: cool. So you opened Murdy's Bake Shop in 2008, which was a crazy idea because 2008 was not an easy year and 9 either and 10 either. Right. So what compelled you to open your own business at that time?
0: Well, I do think it's telling that our first day open in the shop was on leap day. Is really opening the bakery was for me a leap of faith in every possible way. And you know, I was a home baker. I had never worked in a professional bakery. This was like the dumbest decision ever. So, height of recession everything is more expensive. All of the commodities related to baking were just through the roof expensive. And I had no experience.
1: That's a great combo.
0: Obviously. You the business. Dive right in. Which, yeah, I do think kind of was like, well, you don't know what you don't know. And, and, you know, if you're dumb enough to try doing that in the height of a recession, well, maybe it'll work.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. But you were, let's say, so passionate about baking and then, I guess everyone in your surrounding family, friends, and so on said, This is so good. You need to open a business. Is it that kind of story?
0: Yeah. So, probably I was baking a little bit on the side. I was a real estate agent and not a very good one. And, you know, you really can't be bad at something that is entirely commission based for very long. I was bad at it. But I was a pretty good baker at home. you know I would bake at night when I couldn't sleep and a little side business did sort of develop where you know started with friends and family calling and oh can you make your chocolate cake for a birthday party I'm having?" And then the phone started to ring you know back when people had house phones that would ring and um, you know people would call me up and it started having these conversations that began with, hey, you don't know me, but, I had your cake at your sister-in-law's house or, you know, some sort of connection. So it built up a little bit of a client list. And all of those people were definitely enthusiastic that I should open a bakery that they could, you know, bring the kids and come in after school and, you know, not just order a cake a week in advance. The people that really probably were closest to me and cared about me as a person and my financial health and all sorts of things like that were probably a little bit less gung ho about it. Rightfully so. Uh, those <laughs> people were maybe a teeny bit more concerned. Like, Ooh, maybe <laughs> <laughs> Did we get us out of the house for like a little <laughs> bit longer. Or are you really sure that this is what you want to spend your savings on? <laughs> uh-huh. God bless them. But like, I tell you what, all of those people, those family and friends that were like, are you crazy? I think you should think about this more. Every single one of them, when I said, well, I signed a lease, and I'm doing it, every single one of them. The next thing is like, okay, well, I think you're crazy, but how can I help?
1: Yeah, that's great. Okay, positive, positive thinking. So that's good. So in fact, you are you are a, a good example of someone who is passionate about you know something uh, in food and that was making it you know uh, as a food enthusiast at home, but turned that into a business because every every chef that I've been spoken to on the show said, hey, making good food at home, it's not enough. <laughs> it's not enough to create a business. So, so if you look back, and we are going to talk about your concept, but when you look back and if you would meet yourself in back in 2008 now, what kind of advice would you give yourself?
0: I don't know. I feel like any advice that would be truly helpful would also be so terrifying.
1: That you will not jump.
0: Right. Like I wouldn't do it. You know, if I went back and said, Oh, it's going to be this hard and you're going to do this and maybe do this thing differently. I probably would completely panic. And
1: but would you do things maybe in a different order? Maybe as simple as that? Because sometimes, you know, you, you know, you don't think about like the different elements and so that now looking back right years <laughs> after you could say, Hey, Oh, maybe I should have started with this and then that sequence and then that could be later or, oh, this was like really important. I should have had that first, you know, that type of things.
0: Yeah, I would probably, you know what, I would probably just tell myself that every obstacle, every challenge, every failure isn't like a level 10. (laughs) So I mean, that's probably the advice. That's part of the learning
1: experience. To here. So, yeah,
0: right. Because as much as I was definitely just leaping into an adventure, aware that I was vastly ill prepared for it. Other than other than that lunacy, I'm a very risk averse person. So this was a, this was an incredibly out of character thing to do in the first place. And I really care so much about getting things getting things
1: right and doing things well. And I like to make people happy. So not thinking about 100% perfect, but 80% is, it's good. And, you know, to act on kind of...
0: Yeah, and and to like maybe ease up on myself just a little bit. So I think that probably would have been helpful because, you know, as you know, we've I was in a recession. That is an actual sort of emergency state for a lot of people. We've come through a pandemic, actual emergency, selling out of cupcakes, before you close the doors on Saturday nights, not actually an emergency. So I think just I don't know. Maybe just maybe if she just needed a big hug. Maybe she wouldn't even take advice. Maybe I should just like go and <laughs> give, that, give that girl a hug and just be like, "All right, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna survive."
1: <laughs> would you? Do, do you think that you know your business succeeded as well because you were in Memphis, and that it would have been a, a different scenario if you would have been in i don't know new york or chicago or or you know la or something you know maybe a city like this
0: absolutely i think that there are a lot of things like that i mean being in memphis my hometown you know full of people who know me or know my family or were my second grade teacher you know in a in a smaller place in a community like this there are so many people that want to see you do okay and I think are really willing to show up and, you know, even if it isn't perfect, give you that chance or just, you know, root for you or, you know, like I said, all those people who are like, are you crazy also came and helped paint the walls and, you know, move furniture around. So I think that that community vibe is really, really important. Yeah.
1: Okay, we talked about Murdy's Bake Shop a little bit. So can you describe to us, you know, what's the concept of your pastry shop in in Memphis?
0: Yes, it's basically like coming to my house, which I've not been to my house, so that might not have quite an impact. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I mean, really, that's the way to kind of describe it is I really wanted, you know, I'm a home baker at heart. I haven't been to culinary school. I didn't work in a bakery, just a self-taught, From cookbooks and the internet and honestly a lot of trial and error. But that's also the part of it, you know, that's maybe that's a strength and a weakness (laughs) for me and for the business. You know, it means there are some things that we probably it took me longer to learn than it would have taken, you know, anyone who was a professional already would have been like, oh yeah, everybody knows that. But at the same time, I think it helped create this place where the whole point is that I want you to feel like you're coming to my house you know, that's what I enjoy. I like making food for people. I like sharing food with people. So the idea behind the bakery was that I really wanted to just transfer that experience that people had coming to a party at my house and make it, you know, a little more focused on the menu, sweet, not savory, and have it feel homey and comfortable. You know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit wacky. And it's, you know, 13 years later, it's still a little bit. Wacky, you so know. So, what kind family. of what kind
1: of uh, goodies do you sell? Then, how do you create
0: comfort Southern bakery food? So, like cakes and cookies, cupcakes, brownies, really good banana pudding, pies. So, yeah, sort of home style stuff. We're not. What, what's we're
1: your top? To what's prices. your top sellers?
0: Ooh, well, our chocolate cake is called Prozac. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's <laughs> a damn good chocolate cake. I mean, this is something where. You just have to take a bite to believe it. There's nothing gimmicky. There's not like, oh, we use this certain extra special chocolate. We just, we use really fresh ingredients. We use good quality ingredients and we bake fresh. We do not freeze our cakes or cupcakes. Everything has this incredibly tender crumb and our chocolate icing is out of this world. I mean, it's just like whipped butter with actual, just we melt down dark chocolate and let it get just cool enough and just pour it into the whipping butter, it is like the sexiest thing that happens in that kitchen. <laughs>
1: like ribbons of chicken. I know I'm in the South when I hear butter. <laughs>
0: um, butter everywhere.
1: So, um, exactly.
0: So yeah, people were like, oh, like well, what makes this so good? What is the secret? And it's just like, well, we make it fresh, we make it with good ingredients. Like that's actually it.
1: Uh, it is fresh. So that's mean that obviously people that come to your place know that they will pick and choose from what's there or they have to call in advance if they want something special, correct?
0: Yes. So do take advance orders, but it is kind of like your mama's kitchen. This is what we're making today. That is the trade-off. You're not going to have a thousand options, but everything that we are making for that day's menu is amazingly fresh.
1: I'm curious because you mentioned cupcake. So what is the most surprising or unusual cupcake that you have ever created? Okay. Because there's so much like colors and taste options and so on.
0: We definitely have done like, our main lane is home style, traditional favorites. We kind of say our, our sweet spot is familiar favorites with a little twist. But every now and then we will really go off okay, do you remember
1: one that you can?
0: Yeah, I think my I think my favorite was we did a Cabernet, so it was like a red wine cupcake with a red wine cream cheese icing, and yeah, that might not sound like it was amazing, but it was a really interesting. It was almost like a red velvet cake, and red velvet cake has never really been my favorite, but this was almost like oh, this is what a red velvet cake dreams at night that it could be.
1: <laughs> okay. And you have done a champagne one too, correct?
0: Yes, we did a champagne one. We did a matcha tea one with a white chocolate and some almond, which like really balanced out that kind of like grassiness because I'm not sure that you want grassy being the dominant flavor in your cupcake. The yes. white chocolate, it actually really, really played well. So yeah, we've done a few kind of wilder ones.
1: I hope that you are doing all those fantastic southern dessert like pie i'm thinking buttermilk pie pecan pie chest pie banana pudding pie coconut cream pie yes i love to yes. go usually in the south because and i open you know a store i haven't been to your store yet but uh, hopefully one day it's going to be you know behind and i will come to and, and and taste your goodies but i love those pies and i love the south so are you making any of those
0: oh yes And we'll have to get you, when you come, um, if you're a fan of pecan pie, we make an incredible pecan pie. And it is the first pie that I learned how to make. My dad insisted, and the pie is actually named after him, but my dad insisted years ago for Thanksgiving, I said, you know, I'll bring something for Thanksgiving. He says, great. Can you bring dessert? Great. But then he specified what kind of dessert he wanted. And I'm like, dad, that's, that's not the rules. Somebody volunteers to bring food. You can't tell them exactly what menu item. And he's just, well, I want a pecan pie. I love pecan pie. And I'm like, oh, I've never made, I've never made pie, much less pecan pie. And I went over and my now mother-in-law, then she was my boyfriend's mom, helped me. She also had to make a pecan pie to take for Thanksgiving. Neither of us had made one. We spent an entire weekend making so many different pecan pies. We tried (laughs) three different recipes. We all these different crusts. And then we're we're just in there. And this is before the bakery. We're just in there tasting like...
1: So what's the secret?
0: Okay. So here, here, there are several secrets. The first, you have to use a great crust. So a fantastic flaky all butter crust. Check. The next secret with pecan pies specifically is a blend of sugars. So we use white sugar, brown sugar... And the Cairo dark corn syrup sugar. So three different sugars. And then I think that it really makes a difference if instead of using the pecan halves look really nice on a pecan pie. However, for best flavor, chop those suckers up to do smaller pecan pieces. We toast the pecan pieces. And then when we're assembling everything, so it's like you've got your crust, You've got your toasted pecan pieces, and then you've got that just marvelous, ooey, gooey sugar filling. Take your crust, put the pecans, just layer those pecans in the crust alone, and then pouring the syrup on top is so great. So those pecans already toasted once. Now, as they bake, they'll rise through that wonderful sweet filling. So they're just basically each little piece is getting caramelized on the nose and then gets a second toast on the top.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Nirvana in the mouth. Very yes. Cool.
0: Yes. And using the pieces, you're able to really get more of that toasted flavor. So there's just more square footage to toast. Do you,
1: do, you do the chest pie as well?
0: Oh, yeah. So we I do chess chocolate pie. chest pie, coconut chest pie, the old fashioned. You mentioned the buttermilk.
1: Yes. Yes, I love that. So good. It, I, I, I cannot find it here, or maybe I, I don't know where to look. But I, every time I go in the south, I I have a better milk. You know, just by Oh yeah, I love it. and then of
0: course, I mean, this has been such a great you know summertime fruit pies. You know, you just get with our farmers. It's just a question of all right, what's what's in season, what's good, bring it, and you put it in a pie. So peach pie, jumbleberry pie, blueberry pie.
1: Mm-hmm. So wh- what's your preferred pie to make or- to eat. Well,
0: I know isn't that like to make and to eat I really enjoy making fruit pies a lot and I think it's just because the process you know you're involved in so many different steps So preparing the fruit is a thing unto itself so yeah the washing of the fruit I don't know making a fruit pie I feel like you have just so many little cycles of activity that you can really kind of get into a nice Rhythm and a good headspace to just do a whole bunch of those little cycles one after the other. So, I really enjoy making fruit pie. I also really enjoy eating fruit pie.
1: (laughs) Very good. Very good. Yeah. (laughs) What's your sources of inspiration?
0: I mean, pretty much everything, certainly other foods. So, if I, you know, taste a good combination somewhere, that will spark the imagination. But I've also really found a lot of inspiration through art. I was an art history minor, so I'm really quite a fan of you know of the arts. And it's amazing. I feel like any time I can get in a space, whether it's going to a museum or you know seeing a show, even if it has nothing to do with food, I think there's something really special about just being in a space and appreciating someone else's creativity. That kind of relaxes the brain just a little bit where either something that I see specifically in their art might actually like, maybe it's a color or something that I'm like, Oh, that looks like, you know, pineapple and guava together. Oh, we should do something with that. Or maybe it's not even related, but it's just that being there appreciating someone else's work maybe just relaxes the brain enough to have the idea.
1: So is it is it like the colors like in the art that's going to inspire you that are going I to think inspire especially
0: you, especially yeah colors yeah if if there's really pleasing colors but then even just broader scale arts as movies I remember I was rewatching the movie Grease years ago and just had the idea oh my gosh you know they're singing beauty school dropout and we've got the like the 50s hand movements and, you know, Frenchies, different colored hair. And I just suddenly thought like, oh my gosh, I bet beauty school dropout in a pie would be amazing. You could do like a chiffon pie with raspberry and pineapple. And, oh no, I can't remember the other, maybe it was peach, but it was like the colors stacked in a chiffon pie. And, you know, that was the movie Grease. Just And that, it's like that where the name comes before the flavor, where it's just like, Oh, I'm going to start with beauty school dropout. Boom. Here's where we go from there.
1: What's your most favorite ingredient to work like in each season?
0: I know. I feel like it's cheating to say uh, butter for all four seasons. (laughs) (laughs) We're just going to assume butter. (laughs) Yes. Yes. (laughs) Um, For summer. Oh, man. I know I kind of talked about like the fruit pies, but I really think peach, peaches for peach pie. And we make like a peach crumble. So without the crust, it's like a take and bake. That is so good. And it's so good to work with also. And we really discovered a few years ago, we stopped peeling our peaches for the pie and the, and the crisp. And I had always, you know, just grown up thinking like, oh, that's just part of it. Wash them, peel them, and now do it. And we ended up doing a side-by-side taste test. And the ones the pies made with the peels still on the peaches were so much more flavorful and more beautiful. They had like a nice blush color. And I mean, you could have knocked me over. I was so surprised. You've got to be kidding me. So yeah, peaches during summer and then
1: fall. Don't tell me apple because of course, apple, you know, apple, apple pine.
0: Apple's just kind of apple. Apple's great when it's great, but... Mm, <laughs> I think uh, ginger for all. I was so really do
1: you, was how like, do you, ginger? Ginger do you put ginger? ginger? Where do you put ginger? In?
0: Okay, well, I'm one of those people who would put ginger in everything if my team let me. Like, we'll be tasting things and like, oh, this needs more of this or more of this. And I mean, all I have to do is open my mouth. I'm like, whoo. What about? And they'll be like, ginger. Like, okay, we can put <laughs> ginger in everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, coming like into some cold weather, so fall into winter.
1: Yeah, but a ginger—it's interesting. Cookies. So, what, what where do you, what do you combine ginger with?
0: Okay, well, a ginger cookie is maybe one of the most comforting, wonderful things on the planet.
1: That's true. Um yeah, we
0: use black pepper in our ginger cookie as well, which kind of gives the ginger a little extra heat. But then. Oh, man. see so now I feel like I'm cheating because now I'm going to go into winter. But the, okay, the most fabulous thing that we do with ginger, and we do a lot of fabulous things with ginger, but we make something for the holiday season called a reindeer cake. And I've never seen this anywhere else. This is like a Muddy's thing. We make a gingerbread bundt cake that is so gingery. I mean, it's just like, it's that wonderful, like warming spices that really get you as soon as you bite in. And it's just, it's so moist and so good, just shy of sticky. Like it's not a sticky cake, but it's mm, flirting with that boundary. And then we just pour all over it, caramel icing. So you've got that sweetness of like an old fashioned caramel with sharp heat of the ginger. And it is such a fabulous combination. It is Only make it during the holiday season. And I'm a big fan of having limited seasons for things. I think we appreciate it more. I mean, I enjoy that for my own self. I mean, I could could make that cake anytime I want to. And I don't. I follow the rules too. I only get to have it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's it's good awesome. for business too. Huh? It's like the idea of like a lot of brands. So, you know, I using the concept of a limited time offer and because it can be a way of testing new ideas, new concepts, and then uh, see what works. And then people as well, it's always bringing new ideas, uh, you know, to, to your customers. So that's cool. So we were at winter, so now spring.
0: So now spring. Uh... I know that technically lemons are more in season in winter. But to me, that is such a great way to make that transition because you know, spring, spring is that weather where you've got you still have some cold weather kind of finishing up but you're starting to flirt with it being a little bit warm and the tanginess, I think of citrus is just such a such a great way to bridge that gap because it's not heavy so yeah it's a great way to sort of welcome in spring and then i would say like as you that's maybe early spring and then as you get a little bit later in spring we start getting strawberries
1: of course yeah which is just
0: <laughs> so exciting
1: <laughs> a little bit of patience for that so you have to do a whole rotation before you get yeah. back to it <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for sure what's your least favorite ingredient to work with if you have uh, one. Oh, least favorite to work with
0: well there are definitely ingredients that we just don't work with that we just refuse to work with so i don't use crisco and we don't do fondant so a lot of bakeries do you know these beautiful sculpted cakes with fondant i hate fondant so we just don't
1: do fondant. me me, me too i hate fondant
0: yeah i don't want to eat it i don't want to work with it i Mm -hmm. really appreciate the talent that some of my brethren have in what they create amazing skills not for me. But then yeah, as far as an ingredient that's actually in the kitchen, I would say uh, any well, I mentioned red velvet cake earlier. I don't love making red velvet cake. It's something that like it's messy. I get like well. So, that's probably my least favorite set of ingredients <laughs> to work. All that red dye, full
1: but so we package. talk about butter, we talk about sugar, sweet and so on, but have you ever incorporated like savory ingredients into your pastry?
0: Yes, well we certainly have some savory items. So our, you know, quiches which rotate a lot, you know, depending on what our farmers want to want to share with us. But then yeah, I think some of the unexpected savory is really fun. Black pepper is one of my favorite traditionally savory spices. I think it's really underused in sweet bake, but I enjoy using it, especially, yeah, I kind of mentioned with ginger earlier. So our ginger cookies have black pepper, our ginger scones have black pepper. I think black pepper in a lot of things can really add some extra oomph.
1: Have you tried with other type of of pepper or peppercorn or, you know, just to see if you had like different results or... White pepper no, that's a more? great
0: idea. I pretty much stick with. I get the Teleterry black pepper from Reluctant Trading Company, and I'm addicted to it. And I just I go through loads of it. But that's a great idea trying out the different peppers. As yeah, well. to see
1: if uh, you get like an, a different result, and you know yeah. maybe something interesting to experiment.
0: Yeah, our best savory item is probably the chicken pot pie. Ah. Since you're a pie fan,
1: now, now I'm rolling Now,
0: <laughs> get the pecan pie for dessert, but get the chicken pot pie for yes. dinner.
1: That's a lot of butter, but that take it. Oh, so. it's really good.
0: Well, and the chicken pot pie is surprisingly, well, I would say it's surprisingly light.
1: Yeah, light is what do you, not the right. Putting the crust butter, I guess.
0: Oh, it's butter again for the crust, <laughs> but the filling. We do a veloute sauce instead of a cream based sauce, so it's not like real heavy, you know, kind of nah. we roast all of the vegetables ahead of time. We do this actually for a lot of our pies to get rid of some of the water. So we go ahead and roast so that the pie itself is just jam-packed. And we use a smoked chicken from a place here in town,
1: Central Barbecue. Oh, smoked chicken. Oh. And, they, and you use, you know, uh, white meat and dark meat, both? Yes. Yeah, and we yeah. just
0: they, they smoke the chickens. It's oh. full of chicken it is so flavorful and then with just loads of roasted vegetables and that herbaceous velouté sauce you know lots of fresh parsley and it's a very light light sauce which i think is a nice counterbalance because you know chicken pot pie isn't a light food in general but that really perks it up and that has just developed a huge following And I mean, we rolled it out about a year and a half ago and it just immediately was a huge hit. And now it's one of our top selling items.
1: Nice. So you were talking about caramel before and you do a lot, I'm sure. One thing that I heard talking to pastry chefs is that they are people that are starting experimenting with adding a little bit of fish sauce in the caramel. So maybe, you know, I see your eyes here rolling. And but the idea is that they don't put in a quantity that you know what it is, and it's too funky that you don't know. You know that you don't want to eat it, but you put it just in the right quantity that it gives kind of a funky profile, but people and intrigue people. But yeah, it's so kind maybe, of deepens
0: the flavor a little bit.
1: Give probably a little bit of umami as well. You know, yes. so maybe something you should oh, um, look into. Yes, here you go. So, yeah, it was given to me by Elizabeth Faulkner from Chef Elizabeth Faulkner who is based in LA now, that was in New York before. So, uh, something that uh, maybe you want to experiment with. I'm totally. I, about I'm it. sure you are going to say that to your, you know, people working with you, your employees and they'll say like, "You're crazy."
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, they will say at least it's not ginger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Okay, that's true. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you about like an idea of, you know, pick up your brain on a a suggestion on a home cook doing something, but you have shared already a lot. So I don't know if there's anything else that you want to add, you know, creating something, someone at home, like uh, creating like with a unique spin, you know, of uh, Kat Gordon style.
0: Yeah, I do think for a home baker, pies are a lovely place to start experimenting. It's very forgiving and especially... I mean, I think people worry so much about their pie crust. It's like, just make practice, just practice on that. And if it's not beautiful, it doesn't matter because it's still going to taste really good. But that's such a good one on the fillings where if you're playing around with different fruits, different flavors, you might end up with a pie that's a little too soggy. Maybe you didn't get as much of the water out or you should have vented it more, but it is still going to be really good. In a way that a cake, if you get sort of the dry and liquid mixed up a little bit, yeah. it's going to be gross. A pie, you will have learned something, but it's a little more forgiving. So working with what's in season, I think is really cool there. And then, yeah, really thinking about each ingredient. You know, we talked earlier about toasting the pecans. They get toasted when they bake, but toasting them ahead of time as well. So doing that, you know, apply that with any nut, but then also trading trading out some things. You know, you can take a really good pecan pie recipe, and try making it. with So I think for a lot of home bakers, it can be intimidating to start out. But it can be easy to think about swapping a like for like. And I think the biggest thing, you know, you asked me earlier what I would tell my, my younger self getting started, it's like, okay, just don't take it all so seriously. I think that's the thing with home bakers, too. Unfortunately, we bakers have a habit of Really like getting all snooty about telling people, like, oh, you know, cooking, you can just mess around, but baking, you really can't, you can't mess it up. Like, I think that's terrifying to people who are like, oh, it's a science. You have to be really special to know how to do that. And as you said to me before,
1: you just have to measure your flour, just right?
0: Measure your flour. <laughs> if you're not using a scale because I know Emmanuel uses a scale, I use a scale, but like, if you're listening at home and you do not have a kitchen scale, That's okay. Just use your cut measurements. Use the 3S method. Stir your flour first. Spoon it into your cut measure. And then use the flat side of that spoon to level it off. And you're going to get much more accurate results. So it's really good.
1: Very cool. So I am going to switch now to the uh, rapid fire question section of the podcast. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) here we go so what would you have been like if you would not have opened Muddy's big shop we know already it's not real estate so (laughs) what what else
0: (laughs) (laughs) first thought was sad
1: (laughs) (laughs) sad yes okay
0: yeah what would i what would i be doing instead Man, probably just crying in the bathtub.
1: Really, cry, cry the bathtub. <laughs>
0: still wondering what I should be when I grow up.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. So you and I are going on a tasting tour in Memphis. What are like the five spots that you will take me to? Not, not, not including yours.
0: Right, because obviously.
1: Obviously, <laughs> I- we we'll start here. with that.
0: Okay, five spots in Memphis.
1: You you better you better yeah. mention one of the spot from Kelly English. Because, yeah, I was gonna say like, <laughs> <laughs> the
0: challenge there is deciding which. I can't just be like, oh well one, two and three. I'm just taking that's you true. Know, all Kelly. Hopefully
1: four soon that I know. Yeah, so that's Yeah, probably
0: do I'd probably do Iris I and mean, we would sit at the bar, which I love, and we would ask we would ask the team what they are playing with that's not on the menu yet, but that they would like to share.
1: Yeah. Give me some tips for the, for the time I go there. Thank you. So the
0: bar at Iris is definitely one of our stops. And then I think we would also go to the beauty shop, which is one of my favorite places in town. Karen Carrier does an incredible job with flavors, but also the whole aesthetic. I mean, it's a place I could just, so is it? Oh, what, yeah. this
1: beauty shop doesn't really tell me what it is. So is it a restaurant? Is it, it is a restaurant? Uh, okay. Restaurant
0: and bar. Her education is art school, and you can tell. Like you walk in, and it's just creative and funky. And same thing. Like I can just sort of trust fall into her flavors and be like, all right, yeah, I'm willing to try anything on the menu, and it's going to be fantastic.
1: Very um, cool.
0: So yeah, we would do those. Sites so too. Um, yeah, we would probably. Ooh, we would have to go to Payne's Barbecue. It's not only the best barbecue, but also the best slaw. Ah, Okay. Ooh, a nice, like, really tangy, sharp slaw is fantastic, and they do an incredible job. Let's see, two more. All three are in Midtown. I'm feeling very self conscious that I'm like sitting really in my like little Midtown, little Midtown bubble. I really enjoy, mm, oh my gosh, you know, this is so hard. I really like food, so I want to take you everywhere. But I think that Bangkok Alley does such a nice job if you like Thai food. And yeah, just a really great menu, really great people. And then for our fifth our fifth and final flavor stop, mm, I know I'm missing just so much, but Ooh, Casablanca, we would do Casablanca for number five. So it's like Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, Yeah, again, all of these great yep. flavors, that, Okay. you know, things I've never made before and may or may not be brave enough to try a, a recipe to make myself, but happily will like just come with my plate. Like, I would like seconds and thirds and fourths, please. <laughs> the kitchen is, is making cool. today, it's
1: marvelous. Good. What's your favorite guilty pleasure food?
0: Cheez-Its. <laughs> I can take down an entire box of Cheez-Its by myself. Okay. No time. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's they, they are good so yes i understand yeah. too
0: it's like gas station food like at the gas station <laughs> on <our> ranch, <laughs> like all right i'm gonna have some gas station food boom cheese it
1: three cookbooks that inspired you the most all, all baking books huh? it could be a mix of
0: oh okay all right first and foremost has to be back in the day bakery their original cookbook cheryl and griff just did an amazing job with that book. Their style is very similar to mine. And it's gonna sound like weird and stalkerish, but I feel like that is one of those books. Even if I don't make the recipe, I will just read like a book because it feels like I'm spending time with them. And it's just so wonderful. It's utterly charming. It's a great cookbook. They make great food, but they're also just such nice people. But yeah, that that's a source of inspiration and and comfort. So yeah, the back in the day cookbook. This one's not totally a cookbook per se, but the flavor bible.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Yep. Oh. I yeah. love
0: the flavor Bible. That's one of those great ones too, where it's like if I've just got something, you know, in my refrigerator at home or an ingredient, you know, and I'm just trying to think of ideas for what I can do with it, go to the flavor bible. Always a source of inspiration. And then for my third, this isn't a specific cookbook, more a genre of cookbook, but I have a lot of vintage cookbooks from the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s. And oh my gosh. I mean, they're so much fun. I'm not gonna say that they're amazing recipes. So like my grandmother's my grandmother's cookbook, her collected recipes are in that vein where there are only a handful of her recipes that I actually will make here because she was of that era where it's like a can of cream and mushroom soup. Voila, a casserole. <laughs> and like o in everything. Like, why is there a recipe for this with jell <laughs> But Those cookbooks are so fun and they're yeah. very inspiring. I mean, if I'm sort of feeling creatively stuck I can totally go visit those cookbooks on my shelf and just have fun. I think maybe because they're so unabashedly that like they're not even embarrassed about how much jello there is. They're just like, Hey, here we are.
1: (laughs) That was not a healthy or, you know, healthy lifestyle for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So you are, Mention at the beginning that you are bringing people, you know, to your shop. Thinking about that, you're inviting them to your home. But I'm guessing that sometimes you are in- invited to someone else's home. So, what do you bring when you're invited to a friend's or dinner or party?
0: So lately, I have been bringing. Often, if I'm bringing a bottle of wine, I've started bringing our savory snackers. So it's like a little bag. And so talk about a little guilty pleasure. It's something you can just kind of snack on. It's pie dough. <laughs> so it's buttery. It's like it's rolled out yes. pie dough. And we brush it with olive oil and then fresh cracked black pepper, sea salt. And we have an enormous rosemary bush out front of the bakery. So we just like go out and pick rosemary and chop it up. So it's just this herby, buttery cream delicious thing and so I just I totally cheat and take stuff from my own my no, own shop um,
1: yeah
0: and I have found a bottle of wine and a package or two of savory snackers so I started doing two because my sister-in-law told me she's like I want to put these in a bowl to serve them but, but they... I also want to just keep them and eat them after the party <laughs> sure <laughs> so, one, teacher, cool. one for the hostess to hide
1: yeah very nice last question what's the most unreal request made by a customer?
0: It was unreal. So like, okay. Oh, I don't know that there's a single most unrealistic request because really, most of them just fall under time. So I would say it's many different customers and requests, but where most, I think there's a feeling of like, oh, you can make this enormous decorated incredible thing in you know like a few hours like today (laughs) so that comes up every now and then yeah it's like you know (laughs) even cake boss like that takes them days
1: sure absolutely
0: 30 minute episode absolutely so yeah talking
1: about cake boss have you ever uh, thought about uh, participating into like a cooking show on tv
0: no that does not sound super fun to me. That said, we did create our own cooking show during the pandemic yeah, last year when we were sure. closed, sure. and that's like totally different because it's not on TV. So I think the, I think like filming funny episodes for customers for our own website felt really different because it was like well, we do whatever we want. That was really fun, but yeah, as far as like oh, being on television, like real television.
1: I'm No, No. Mm -mm. not for you. Okay, Okay. Kat. Thank you very much. I really appreciate like the the time spent with you. It was a very nice uh, moment, uh, nice conversation. So thank you again.
0: Thank you. Thank you for letting me talk so much about the pecan pie and like and all all of the food. I'm getting really hungry now.
1: Thank you for listening to the Flavors Unknown podcast today. And if you have enjoyed listening to this episode, please recommend the podcast to friends and family. It is very easy for you; you can do it directly from your phone. It will take you only two minutes, and you will help me bring new people to the show. Please visit our website flavorsunknown.com to join our email lists or to find extra resources and info about this episode and all previous episodes. Don't forget to follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, at Flavors Unknown. Next week, my guest will be Chef Ryu Donahue of Amoret in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Chef Rihu Donahue grew up in England. He worked at different Michelin star restaurants to build his culinary expertise with Blumenthal, Marco Pierre White, and Thomas Keller. He worked in the UK, New Zealand, South Africa, Asia, Scandinavia, and in the US. O'Donoghue crafts immersive dining experiences in modern gastronomy with his six or nine course tasting menu and a la carte dishes at Amoret to captivate our senses. I see you in two weeks. And until then, remember that people who love to eat are always the best people. Thanks for listening to Flavors Unknown. If you've enjoyed this episode, give us a follow on Instagram at flavorsunknown and visit us at flavorsunknown.com. Don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts.